Hello, and welcome back to the Pep Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and we're back this term with some great interviews and great episodes, so make sure you give the podcast a follow on Spotify or SoundCloud. Pep Talk is also now available through PPE Student Voice and the School of PPE homepage, and uh, so you can find new episodes there. On this episode, I talk to York City Councilor Daryl Smalley. He's a University of York graduate who ran for council in his last year of university with the Lib Dems. We had a great conversation about local politics, his experience being elected at 20, and some questions submitted by the audience before the show. Enjoy, and I'll see you in the next one. Hi, Daryl. Thank you for uh, for coming on the show and speaking to me, Councillor uh, Daryl Smalley. Could you uh, could you tell me a little bit about your your ward and uh, and sort of your sort of role on the council and and how that's been uh, under under COVID and and sort of just in your first year? Yeah, so I, I represent since May twenty nineteen. I've represented Rockland Clifton without ward, so just in the northeast of York, which covers. Um, about 11,000 residents, about 5,000 homes, two parish council areas, a secondary school and about three primaries. So a lovely sort of chunk of um, suburban York, really, just outside the city walls, but before you get to the ring road. Um, I am fortunate enough to be on the council executive and I sit there as the council responsible for culture, leisure and communities. But really, that's quite a broad description. So from libraries to equalities to parish councils to um all sorts and every week i discover a new thing i'm apparently responsible for so sort of never ending really and in terms of the council's um response to coronavirus i think I'm just, obviously we'll come on to this but yeah never ending and it's not really stopped since york had its first two cases um in january 2020 and i yeah remember that day very well um and yeah, really. Ever since then, our response has been all about mitigating it's been the impact. full throttle. Yeah, insur- ensuring you know that the you know, people still have food on the table and and can get by. You know, through our COVID nineteen helpline that hasn't really had a day off since it was set up almost a year ago now. Through to um, yeah, looking forward. So, you know, how does York recover economically from from this crisis? And could you talk a little bit just about the local sort of versus national control on COVID policy and uh, sort of who dictates it, who implements it, or where are the decisions made? So yeah, the, it, no surprise to anyone that the government have kept a relatively tight grip on, on COVID-19 policy and changed their mind and give occasionally very little notice. So there's one instance last year when I was on a call with Robert Jenrick and he was updating council leaders. So I was, I was deputising for the council leader in this call. And whilst he was telling us um, an update, it was out of date, as he was saying it, because at the very same time, Matt Hancock was giving a, a speech to the House of Commons and contradicted what we were being told in that very meeting. So I think it's we've not necessarily seen it always joined up. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, councils have a massive responsibility to, to make sure that everyone's okay and, and getting on and that our local health service is supported as much as possible through to trying to support the vaccination programme at the moment. So yeah, really does have quite a, a leading role in our locality, but it uh, doesn't mean that we're not buffeted around by what by, by what government's up to. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, if we could if we could turn to talk just about about you a little bit, uh, if you could just talk about where you're from and how you sort of 
came to study at York and then decide to run for the York Council and move into the ward even before you won? Yeah, so to my, to my shame, I'm, I'm not a, a Yorkie or, or even from Yorkshire, so I grew up in, in Lincolnshire and, um, and yeah, I went to a comprehensive school um, in the north of Lincoln and uh, yeah, had a, had a, yeah, was relatively interested in politics and got involved in, in the Lib Dems whilst I was there, but obviously Lincolnshire is not a is not a bastion of, of liberalism in any great sense. So there was yeah limited opportunities, and then um, I always wanted to do architecture. So going studying politics at York was a was a sort of relatively last minute decision, partly related to how I really didn't enjoy doing maths and physics at A level. So. Um, so yeah, then went went to York and you know fell in love with the city and um, immediately got involved in in the local party in the, in the York Lib Dems in whilst at uni. So I think within a couple of months of being there in 2019 as as a fresher, um, tw- sorry 2016 as a as a fresher, I'd been on leaflets in in my ward, what, what became my ward. So yeah, immediately got involved and I think as as you said in my second year of university at the end of my second year I moved across the city into Clifton without and stayed there until well until and then after the election um, so yeah made a conscious choice to commute to university and yeah plow all of my every spare second into knocking on doors delivering leaflets and trying to solve problems in advance of the council elections. When did it turn from handing out leaflets for other candidates in the Lib Dem party to knocking on doors and trying to convince voters to vote for you. Yeah, so it's a it's a reality. I much prefer knocking on doors for other people than I do knocking on doors talking about myself. Uh, and it, it yeah, it is a very strange sort of experience. Um, to, to be honest, because Rockcliffe is a is a bellwether seat in York, so if you look at past elections, really, whichever ward has Rockcliffe has the council. So um, it was a yeah it was a key target for every party and prior to May 2019 it had three Conservative councillors, prior to that it had two Labour councillors and a Conservative I think, and then if you go back far enough that there were Lib Dem councillors as well, so it really has flipped um, throughout the time and consequently, we had Owen Jones come and do a rally um, a few months before the election in in my ward. We had um, the Guardian Jessica Elgott come up. And do a story that focused on a few wars but also Rawcliffe so it really did receive quite a lot of attention um, and and as such because York has all up elections so York elects every four years from about three years out so just one year into the term of the last council administration yeah Rawcliffe had been picked as a, as a key target and like I said pretty much as soon as I got involved and got to know people in York um, yeah sort of started volunteering in the ward and yeah, eventually was very lucky to be selected as one of its candidates. Can you talk a little bit about that selection process? Sort of what did it entail? What did it take uh, to sort of get involved in the party to the point where you were selected to actually run for it? So, yeah, it's 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 different everywhere. So, and I have stood before. So, yeah, well, I kept it relatively as a secret, but I've been a what's called a sort of paper or paperless candidate in, in Lincolnshire before now. So, Sort of not my first rodeo, and um, and really it's you know relatively simple, and it's you know very very nice process I think compared to what other parties make their candidates go through, and we select about six months out from the election, so 
you do an awful lot in the ward without being formally selected as the candidate beforehand. You are what, what we call in, in York a focus team. So you go out and try and solve problems and get things fixed, get bus shelters painted, potholes filled, that sort of thing. So um, by the time we came up for selection and we were speaking to local party members about who we were standing, you know, what we were standing for and why we wanted to be the candidate, they all knew us because we you know, knocked on their door six times in the last 12 months. We'd you know, some of them delivered for us, others volunteered in different ways. And really, it was, you know, it was a very nice process and it, and it wasn't contested in the end. So the three of us, it's a three-member ward, there's three councillors, the three of us went up. Um, there was no contest, but still a, still a tough, you know, relatively tough selection. We're all interviewed, the sort of have you got any skeleton sort of questions. Um, luckily, didn't have, didn't have too many to, to stop us. And we all went through and, and yeah, and thankfully were selected. Or if you did, you, you hit them well enough. <laughs> yes, they'll come out eventually. So why 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 the Liberal Democrats? Why the Lib Dem Party? Oh well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not absolutely massively political, and I sort of. Um, I think one thing I have enjoyed in lockdown is listening to various podcasts from different parties. You know, different, you know the, whether it's Christopher Hope or. Uh, Matt Ford's podcast and you know listening to it I've really actually enjoyed listening to MPs of other parties and I'm not you know obviously I'm political and a councillor for a party but um, yeah I've got friends in the Labour Party friends in the Conservative Party and one thing that's nice about York is that all generally we all get along quite well um, why I'm a Lib Dem probably stems from yeah childhood and I lived in like I said in Lincoln which had a Labour run and still has a Labour-run district council and a Conservative-run county council. And living in a sort of council estate on the on the east side of Lincoln, you could probably, um, with my parents, um, one of which a primary school teacher, either working um, um, in a in a sort of a garage type, um, uh, with, I think it was Mercedes for the bulk of the time. Um, you know, working with trucks, you re- you really did see. Um, basically or you got annoyed with with both of them so i remember speaking at scrutiny committees against conservatives in the in the county council when they were turning off street lights at 10 p.m which was and still is a disastrous policy um and i remember getting annoyed with labor because they were closing community centers and you know spending money on um buying the the lord mayor's car which was the big thing at the time when i was growing up whilst at the same time you know cutting funding for things like sure start so got annoyed with both of them <laughs> and uh, and really then then um yeah started you know was big you know, fans of you know, have i got news for you and those sort of topical slightly political shows um and then my sort of earliest memory in politics probably except for i just about remember the 2010 election um was when chris hewn was had his scandal when he was a, a lib dem minister in government and i remember um Ian Hislop gave a relatively spirited defence of Chris Hewn in terms of it's a shame we lose such a good cabinet minister for for this sort of obviously you know he's rightly charged and everything but I think that was probably when I got more involved in thinking you know whilst the coalition is not fantastic it's quite clear that the majority in my opinion of the good stuff that was happening from equal marriage to to other um, you know from pupil premium to tax credits um, was coming from the Lib Dems, so yeah, they were most amenable, really. So the the lesser of all the all the evils. I think yeah, isn't that a famous quote from someone or other that yeah, politics you just choose the least worst option. And I think yeah, I don't, and you know this is true. There's people in my party that do this, but 
I think it's important to recognise that no party is perfect and they change. We've, we've seen that with, with the Labour Party, especially, and the Tories, actually. You know, they're not the parties that they were a decade ago. Um, my party's changed in the last decade as well. And I think as long as, you know, the broad churches, all of them, and as long as you still feel feel at home and there still feels that they represent you, um, at least at least in the majority of, of ways, I think they, are, you know, they are, will always defend political parties in general because they're a fantastic institution they you know they do so much um even when they're not in in power to form policy and, and help people um but yeah as long as people don't take it all too seriously because at the end of the day it is uh, quite fun as well most people get into it for yeah not entirely you know policy meetings but also the social and family side to it so, yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the sort of policy side, how is it? How has it been actually governing? And that sort of mental switch from uh, I'm a university student running for a position on the council to I am a councillor now, and this is my job now. How, talk me through that sort of mental switch, and then the experience, sort of the last year and a bit. Yeah, and I think. I think I could see the distinction when I was at uni because I was getting involved with councillors and reading policy papers and seeing what was going on um, in advance of the election. And I always got annoyed at the sort of slightly abstract nature. I mean, I studied politics with international relations, so it was, you know, le- it was less theory, um, or at least less sort of grand political theory and more sort of, you know, uh, what's going on in the world. But yeah, even then, was getting wound up that you know, oh, you know, in real life, this isn't you know, this isn't what what people spend their time thinking about. And to some extent, COVID nineteen has changed a lot of what we get up to. But I just say it's a lot, it's a lot more pragmatic, um, which is definitely a good thing. But you know, really, you have to take so many people on board with you if you want to achieve something that very rarely is something a solely sort of you know, Lib Dem idea plucked from a manifesto and then implemented. Usually, you know, thankfully the checks and balances that we have in getting policy through the council mean that you've got to consult so many stakeholders and bring so many people with you that, um, yeah, it makes it a better policy in the end, but also means that people have been brought with you and it's less likely to be undone. You know, we're not, I'm not going to be around forever. There'll be councillors with my title um, who yeah, won't, won't be anything like me and will have different views. But because hopefully you've brought people with you and time's been spent on it, yeah, it'll stand the test of time and, and make an impact long after you've gone. Well, and how has the sort of partisanship on the on the council been? You sort of mentioned that you've had sort of uh, both negative and positive experiences with both the Conservative and Labour parties, and obviously you're dealing with both of them within the council. So how's that sort of experience been now that you're not just a citizen, but you're you're a councillor sort of contesting with uh, these individuals uh, in ways that really matter? Yeah, so everyone's slightly different. And because the part, you know, you look at the Labour group, 17 Labour councillors in York, every single one is is very different from the other. There's not a sort of, you know, not no group is homogenous in in York, which is definitely different to, you know, there are some councils that, you know, I've been to and you look around and you think, um, yeah, there's not many ideas bouncing off the walls here. Um, York's definitely not that. Um, I think, you know, people operate in different ways and generally you still have the old school style. If you'll do this for me, can can I get this through? Or, you know, will you do this? Um, I'll do this for you. Um, you have others that, you know, like to throw stones and occasionally they'll be caught out for doing so. 
and you know we'll just wind up so many people that if i'm sure when they look back at the end of their four years and you wonder what you've actually achieved i think there'll be interesting questions but on can the get, whole can you get into any any specifics on what stoning thrones would look like in the council oh well yeah it, it's very rarely you know when so i you know even yesterday I just had phone calls with with people from all from different parties just talk especially in advance of the budget setting that the council's doing at the moment so in february budget season um, we've got exec on thursday full council later in the month and so lots and lots of cross-party conversations um going on i think generally it's all accepted that in in proper council meetings you make your you make your arguments you that's when the leaflets are written about he said she said they said um, and then afterwards, you all have a nice chat and wish each other good evenings and, and get on with your lives. So there's a certain tolerance for just, you know, Lib Dems are evil because of X, Labour are liars because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, you, that's what politics is. And, and it's sort of how, how the plates keep spinning. I think when when it's less helpful is, say, there's numerous cross-party boards. I'm, I'm chair of the um, Human Rights and Equalities Board at the Council. Um, which is lovely, but there are other forums that you know, really you just need to get on, decide a policy, move on, get things sorted, and that's when um, I guess you know, occasionally you'll have councillors um, for whatever reason, political motivations or personal ones, yeah, try to slow things down or stop things or um, make processes more convoluted than they need to be, and I think that's where everyone gets frustrated. and And I think if we were if we weren't governing. I dare say we'd be doing the same, but um, but on the whole, it's it's all quite a lot of fun. I think that's. Don't want to make this sound like it's all very boring and you spend all the time arguing. Um, you do do yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. Good that it's been uh, been sort of sort of rewarding. But have you felt as sort of just having graduated as uh, and being elected as a student? Have you felt sort of pushback from your constituents from other people on the council and you mentioned that you chair a committee and and i mean as a as a young person that must be just an an amazing feeling to have done so well already but have you sort of felt the negative side of that from other councillors constituents sort of just people in general about what is this kid doing here that kind of thing there are there are certainly moments that you sort of think um, and also, I don't, you know, semi-deliberately don't often wear a tie, um, you know, like sort of wearing a jacket, but, you know, with an open neck shirt and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think probably the dress sense also adds to that sense of youngness. Um, I think generally, and this is probably a, a reflection of York as a city, but everyone's been, you know, ridiculously welcoming, um, quite pleased that it's someone who looks a bit different to, to what they usually have to listen to from the council um, and especially with the forums that I sort of um, speak in and, and operate in and work with from the culture sector through to the tourism bodies through to um, the various qualities groups we have in York I think they're yeah everyone's very sort of conscious that actually diversity is a good thing and you know ultimately they'll judge me like they judged my predecessors and those who come after me um, if I do what I say I'll do and, and get them the information they need and you know, steer any decisions that they need making through um, then then hopefully everyone's kept happy I think there has been yeah the odd bit of blowback is from um, 
not never really residents in my ward. My ward is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll never praise them enough. The residents of Rawcliffe and Clifton there are the best people in the world and um, obviously have, have great judgment in who they want to serve them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they are... Yeah, never had an issue on the on the doorstep, and and actually, if anything, it's I think it's a positive. Um, less, I think, generally, if you're under thirty and you're knocking on doors of bungalows, you are less likely to be screamed down the down the pavement, and um, and yeah, you'll get a bit maybe a bit of a better hearing. Um, uh, but no, I think I think yeah, there there are certainly moments. I think there was one moment when I was probably first in post. Um, when you know I'm, I'm sort of sat there in a meeting i don't you know you don't need to make a big fanfare you know you say you say something you've got to say but otherwise i try to try to listen to what others have to say and occasionally there's a sort of moment where um yeah i'm not there on work expert you can see people just to wonder why you're there you know are you there just to, to take minutes or are you there to are you there on work experience somewhere or yeah that sort of thing um but yeah eventually then when you do speak um you know, i think it all people people twig but no on the whole a really positive experience i know obviously i'm you know get on with with councillors across the country who are my age and there's various networks for for young councillors although young i think by the local government association call under 40s so it's quite a big <laughs> bracket um and uh but yeah i know it's not a common and i think actually in local government has a lot of work to do to um to sort of make us more reflective of society as a whole I think on some councils, there's more councillors called Keith than there are women, for instance. Oh. So um, we have a lot of work to do to make it more diverse. Is that really true? More councillors? I'm sure I've, I've seen that somewhere. I think probably if you look at some district in Lincolnshire, I'm sure you'll find that's... That's, that's kind of incredible. So with the, uh, with the council, uh, with the council uh, partisanship on the local level, you sort of said that... Uh, it's it's not been bad and it's been a rewarding process even uh how does it sort of relate to the sort of national level when you're dealing with a labor mp in uh, york central a conservative mp in york outer and a conservative national government is there any sort of partisan uh friction or is it just because of maybe more of a struggle between local and national government i think um things are yeah, it's it's difficult because of and as a council which is run by the Lib Dems and the Greens in a in a partnership, um, and a government that's conservative and a yeah, like you say, a central MP who's who's Labour, York is pretty well um politically represented represented. So, yeah, if you're a member of pretty much any party in York, you've got someone in some sort of elected position, which is certainly positive. Um in terms of interacting with with the MPs, I think on the whole they are um, helpful and, and do work really hard for their constituents, both of them equally. And I, I think what is helpful throughout COVID, um, we have joint briefings um, between the leader of the council, the police and crime commissioner, who's obviously a conservative, but, and, and both MPs, which are, I think, fortnightly, but obviously in the in the, in the depths of the, of the pandemic, they were more frequent. Um, so yeah, bringing them, bringing everyone together, everyone's on the same page, everyone knows what York's struggles are, what we need to improve and what we need to ask government for. I think, yeah, it's under, it is difficult working with, with the government and, you know, sometimes it's easier in different ways than others. For So, for example, York has, I think, quite a good relationship with the government, especially in terms of transport. 
So um, yeah, we would trial for e-scooters. We we you were doing a first electric bus park and ride um, network. So we yeah we we've done quite well out of some of their trials from the DFT. Um, I think in other areas, uh, yeah, less successful and potentially have less strong relationships. If you look at I guess planning um, and potentially. Obviously, MHCLG is responsible for councils, and whilst we um, attend and inform and, and feed as much back as possible, I think every council has a frustration with with whether we're really listened to. And I think it was clear, definitely at the start of the pandemic, that I guess some ministers and and some in government didn't really understand what councils did um, and didn't know what we were capable of, but also didn't know what we didn't do, and were asking us to do things that. Responsible uh, responsibilities for other statutory bodies or the NHS or things like that. Um, so I think everyone's been on a on a learning curve. You know, myself and local government, but also um, but also the government. I think. Yeah, very interesting. If we could sort of turn a little bit to the sort of political career that I mean, maybe you're just starting on. Who knows? Sky's sky sky might be the limit for you. But uh, how well did your did your degree, your politics and international relations degree, prepare you for your work on the council and just working with the Lib Dem party and the sort of experience that you've had so far of actually governing? Um, I mean, yeah, I think in our group, for instance, just um, this is a bit of a tangent, but hopefully it'll help answer the, the question. Um, so, for example, my ward colleague, uh, my two ward colleagues, Sam and Derek, um, um, Sam Ward, so she d- didn't go to university. Um, was a f- is a former carer. Um, has done various jobs, including from working at the local bingo hall to working at the local Shipton Road stores, which is a really popular local shop. You then then there's me, 22 year old, um, you know, just new on the scene, um, you know, straight out of uni. And then um, my other ward colleague works at the university actually as a, as a chemistry lecturer. So. You, even even in my ward, you can see that we've got you know very very diverse sort of experiences and skill sets and and qualifications. I think my yeah, the degree in, and especially politics and international relations helps in some ways. You know, reading very long policy papers, um, and trying to understand what on earth they're on about late at night when you you know when it's two in the morning and you've got to do it before nine a.m. the next day. Definitely helpful, and that student experience certainly helps you for that. Um, I think it's possibly overstated, and I think when you look at, I, f- I always feel slightly guilty when asked what I did at uni that it is not that it is politics because it's you know it's almost falling into that sort of common trap that oh of course you know sort of it's you know politics degrees just churn out people who want to go into local government and want to be MPs and want to do X Y and Z which definitely isn't the case and you look at my cohort and we're you know. You know, my friends from uni and their teachers and they're some are doing legal training and it prepares you for a broad range of careers. Um, sorry, I've definitely gone on a tangent there. But no, yeah, ultimately, no, it's, it's, yeah, that's very it interesting. And if yeah. we could sort of talk broader, because you mentioned your, your classmates, and this could be interesting for just PPE students listening, uh, what kind of careers come out of, of that department that you've seen? Because you kind of have that that sort of view of local government, so you see you see uh, what degrees make it into local government, but then also your classmates who've graduated so recently. 
Yeah, so I think, especially in terms of the council and who works there and what they did at uni, I don't think... Um, so, for instance, um, our head of transport and highways did horticulture. Our, um, the guy I work with most closely in terms of the assistant director for culture and communities um, started life doing something very, very different at Scarborough Council, worked at Coventry since. So I think... Um, and then, yeah, and since then, you know, people newer to the council policy officers for instance have done a, a wide range of degrees and I think um, we'd certainly um, P- PEP student I, I shouldn't say PPE should I but PEP no, students P- and, and P- PPE PEP whatever and um, yeah and politicians yeah have ha- certainly have a sort of upper hand I, I always think in terms of you know one of the biggest barriers I think for working or you know working with or in a council is actually what it is the institution it is you're working for does and I think those that have a bit of knowledge in terms of where local government fits um, or yeah always always better but I think just yeah looking at what where my sort of yeah, course mates and um, housemates have, have gone on to do in fact one of my housemates um, is on the council with me so I, I used to uh, I don't know how often she talks about this but Ashling Musson a Labour councillor for Hull Road I lived with him in my second year so um, it's, uh, that, that house was a sort of hotbed of, of um, yeah, politics. But no, I think, as I said, quite a few um, have gone into teaching. Quite a few have gone into um, the civil service through sort of fast track, fast stream, um, and various things like that. Um, others have gone on to work for, you know, there's lots of bodies that have lots of money that do things in sort of, you know, civil and civic society. So working at ALEP, working at... Um, growth partnerships or growth hubs um working in the council or working for bodies like make it york i think there's there's always so many opportunities and and i think what what is frustrating when i'm trying to sort of get things done and and we're trying to get a, a manifesto implemented is when there's a lot of churn but really that is yeah, i think it shows that there's great progression and great career progression so as soon as you're in doing a sort of policy role or a you know analysis role or anything like that I think yes, those skills are desperately needed, especially yeah, since really Brexit and COVID. Pinnacle of politics, that that sort of churn you described. Yeah, yeah. And with the um, with those career paths that you've sort of laid out, if we want to talk about a PPE student right now in first or second or third year that wanted to get involved in sort of local government, local organizing, uh, council work, anything to do with sort of local government, the York Council. How would they go about it, sort of proactively? I think just yeah, see what you're interested in. Even what well, I, when people sometimes ask me what is the council up to, I'll just go to york.gov/news and just read the last two, yeah, two or three pages of press releases, and that's quite always a good way of because obviously my colleagues get on get onto all sorts, and you know you can miss things if you're not careful. Um, so I think just yeah, having a look at what's going on, and you know. Various cities have different priorities and are getting things done in different ways. And I think if it's not if it's not happening where you live, if you've got an interest in something but York's not doing it, especially now with virtual working, I know quite a lot of people have gone on to work for you know, Leeds or Manchester or elsewhere. Um, and well, then I let's think say this, let's say you you have a car as a student, you're driving around, you're tired of the potholes, and you decide that you're oh, going yeah. to go change that. How how do you go about sort of? putting pressure on as a citizen on the council or maybe even getting involved on the policy side or you decide that you want to run to actually fill a, a seat on the council oh okay so that was a lot of questions but yeah. 
Answer whichever one. one first. I think um, getting in touch with with the relevant council. You know, I absolutely love it when people have just googled York, you know, equalities or York, you know, libraries, and they've got a complaint about library card or something, and they've and they've contacted me, and uh, you know, it's one of the most exciting and fun things of the you know the role is is really when you wake up to a full inbox and it's. 20 issues to solve so i think getting in touch with with the relevant councillor because that's what they're that's what they're there for that's what they're paid an allowance to do is to answer your your questions so certainly getting in touch with whoever the relevant councillor is and then uh in terms of yeah contributing to policy making there's so many opportunities and york is is relatively further ahead than other councils you know we, we live webcast all our meetings you can dial into them you can join on zoom you can live you can sometimes comment live um, if it's a if it's a question and answer session you can speak at the full council you can make your voice heard in in so many ways and i wish more people did it because it is often the the usual suspects at exec meetings and council meetings and i wish more people um you know talked about what what they're interested in or what they want to see changed i think in terms of standing um for local government i think it you know it's it, <laughs> It's, it is fantastic and I absolutely love it and I'm very lucky to sort of do this relatively full time um, and yeah, I think there's, there's equally lots of people that have gone into it thought Christ you know that's not very fun what on earth you know made me want to go into that and, and a lot of that is, is the, the, either the group you're in or um, the setting you know are you one if you're, are you the only green councillor on your mm-hmm. council or are you a group of 20 those sort of things make a massive impact to the experience but I'd just say join a political party. Um, it doesn't really matter who I'd say, you know, whoever you're most aligned with, you know, you can always leave. People do. Um, I had one friend at uni that joined all four parties, you know, four parties, was kicked out of them all eventually when they realised he'd obviously just signed up to see what they were talking about. But um, but yeah, ultimately just get involved. And I think people, you know, it's not like take out a mortgage. It's not like... Um, you know, having you know, having sort of surgery or anything. You just you're just joining a, a group. I think people put way too much pressure on it and see it as a sort of massive, great, you know, like nailing your colours to a mast. But ultimately, you can you know, as the ties change and as the national conversation changes, you can change. And are the local that. parties looking for that that student involvement, especially from sort of university students who do have that time to to really get political and get involved and sort of foster that passion for politics. Oh no, absolutely, and I think other you know, parties are more democratic than than others, and you know some have better methods and more structures to to get more people involved. But yeah, absolutely, I'm sure every party would say it. You know, I know the Conservatives, for instance, um, when they were campaigning out in my ward, vast majority of those door knocking are from you know, I, faces I sort of recognise from uni or who were in the in the uni society. Likewise with, with Labour, and I think uh, and and our party, and I think. Um, yeah, maybe see what your, the society is up to, but actually, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm possibly slightly mad, but I love nothing more than you know, a nice local party meeting talking about our campaign strategy for the next 12 months and what we're going to do with the police and crime commissioner elections. Yeah, just lovely, lots of fun, um, and all very open. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised. You know, it's, it always amazes me when I guess journalists sort of, you know. I don't know. Maybe don't report local politics as sort of honestly as as it is. You know, it's not like 
national politics. There's not really many secrets and strategies are pretty obvious because you can see what leaflets are getting delivered in which wards. Um, and I think people just need to you know, take a step back, but I think just get get involved and get you know, get get stuck in. And if you know you come across people that you that you're not you know, massive fans of, or you you, know, you think actually I'm not really achieving anything here, then um, you know I first, you know for instance I first got involved in Lincolnshire. Never ever thought I'd, I'd stand in just a few years later in York in the local council elections. Things change you know, incredibly quickly. Um, and yeah, just just enjoy it really, and, and don't take it too seriously. Would be would be my advice. So if we could bring it back to you, where where do you think you're uh, you're going? You said four year term, so you got what three three and a half years, or uh, yeah. two two and a half years. Uh, two and a half years, yeah. To go yeah. uh, two two and a half years from now, wh- where do you think you'll uh, you'll be running for re-election, looking to go somewhere else? What do you think? No, well, I absolutely, I, I now love my community and ward more than I did when I first stood. You know, I now know far many, far many more people, you know, more of the organisations and groups. So, um, yeah, so I, I think as, as it stands today, I'd absolutely love to stand for, for re-election. Um, yeah, and, I, and it is purely a lot of fun, you know, despite COVID-19 and all the impacts of that. Yeah, there's still a lot that's happening. You know, we're getting new play areas built. We're building a brand new library in my in my part of the city. Uh, you know, we're doing great things with leisure. The community stadium's just opened. So there's so much that's fun and, and exciting and going on. I have absolutely no political ambition would be my sort of, which I know that's what people say, but, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm, yeah, local government, I think, is the pinnacle of UK politics and people will have a hard time convincing me otherwise. And, and in terms of, you know, MP stuff. I can't understand why you'd want to be an MP when you could be, you could run a council. You know, we've got, like I said at the start, we've got a hundred twenty million pound budget, and we can, if we have an idea or we want to do something, we can do it. You know, with the checks and balances and getting things through the relevant processes, but we can just make it happen. And I know I've got a couple of friends that that were yeah, MPs. Obviously, we've not got got many at the moment, being Lib Dems, but. Uh, yeah, I think one of their greatest frustrations that is actually, you know, you can speak in the chamber, you can speak at committees, you can get things done as through all parliamentary groups or pressure groups or anything like that. But actually, when it comes to it, you can't actually wake up one day and decide to do something. You've got to to really convince the great, you know, the government or minister or whatever. Whereas I think actually we can. There's a lot more flexibility and and yeah, you know, it's a horrible word, but but power. You know, you can actually get on and do things and change people's lives. In local government in a way that i think national politics makes it really difficult to do that yeah and it's i could see how it's very nice to have that sort of direct mandate from just a small number of people that that do actually support you and don't sort of shout you down when you knock on their doors yeah it doesn't feel like a small number of people when you're trying to knock on all of their doors though it feels like i could like see, many months I, could see how that was, I, I could see how that would become a little bit overwhelming trying to knock yeah. on them all before an election no, exactly. And multiple times as well. So, you know, if you're a postal voter in my ward, you got, uh, yeah, bombarded, I think would be the word. Um, no, it is, it is, re- you know, it is really good. And I think, um, you know, you know, pinch myself every week that we're, we're sort of in this very fortunate position. And I think never take it for granted. It's so frustrating when you sort of, when I see, you know, colleagues across the country lose and you sort of think, well, how many leaflets were you delivering a year? How many doors did you knock on in the last 
12 months and they go oh well you know we we're really busy and it's like well no you know forget about nice committees or you know getting things built or getting things done actually your first your first duty as a councillor whether you're in opposition or or in administration is yeah is to your local um, community and the it's residents the that put you in that position yeah yeah absolutely great well i have a a couple of questions just directly from students through a uh, a Google form that I put out and uh, I'll try and do that for a lot of episodes just uh, just in the future so watch out for your emails um, for, for just an email for me with the Google form but one student had uh, sort of a little bit of a complaint which is why I brought up the potholes uh, and said why are there so many potholes and what can we do about it yeah so I mean I agree there are there are a lot and then um my casework stats the vast majority of them um are yeah on potholes um I think we d- we do have one of the largest road resurfacing programs of a council of our size so we are doing stuff and um yeah it's not something that's being completely ignored and I would just say if you've noticed any in the last few months then it, the vast majority of the reason they're unfilled at the moment is because frontline teams have been diverted to gritting we've had one of the harshest winters we've had for quite a few years in york and to flooding so it's the same yeah it's the same people it's the same teams that are manning temporary flood barriers that are out filling potholes so you know human resource is the best asset the council has and when it's stretched um, things slip and that's why at the moment there's quite a lot of potholes around i'd then also say obviously just to throw this in um is that the government give practically no money to local authorities to, to fix potholes really and you know we're having to put a lot of capital borrowing into road resurfacing so you know borrowing to invest in in roads and road repairs right from the ring road dueling project through to getting um yeah cul-de-sacs maintained but no i'd, I'd first say report it because a lot of people just think uh, i've often seen it where you know, on a thoroughfare in my ward, you know, you know, 50 people walk past it in an hour. Every one of them will tut and think, oh, you know, but I won't bother reporting it. Someone else has. And then I report it and you realise nobody else has before me. And you just think everyone's got, you can report it so easily on a mobile and online. Um, so, yeah, first, don't assume the council knows about that big pothole that's ruining your, your cycle to work. Um, and then, yeah, and then secondly, yeah, we'll get round to it and um, curse the government, not just us, would be my sort of my plea. That's yeah. It's a great. It really sounds like you know your stuff, man. Just with all the sort of policy you've talked about, you've had such passion and command. Honestly, it's yeah. It's been a learning curve. I didn't <laughs> wasn't stood on people's doorsteps talk about it like this. It yeah. You, it is every day is a school day. I think um, there's not a day where I've not logged off Zoom and oh, yeah, not learned something. It's a great way to look at it. So uh, uh, another one which uh, which I actually found really interesting is. Uh, renting issues with students. Uh, there was it was sort of a suggestion for some sort of help from the council through I don't know website leaflets. Website would probably be the most useful for students, but to sort of put competitive sort of rent information on there, uh, and and so students know their right uh, as tenants and what prices for what size houses and what locations are are fair. And, and just assistance in what really is the first time that young people will be sort of signing a contract like that where they are going to go live somewhere else. And that really is a big move. And they were the student just wanted to ask what, what the council is doing and, and maybe suggest the idea for that, that website with that information. 
Um, yeah, no. So start, for starters, completely agree um, that there's so much more we um, universities and 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 other other people could do on could do on this because I you know it wasn't that long ago I was um, yeah we were signing that contract rental agreement for our stu- first student house and you know it's not and and we obviously left it way way too late and had yeah had like twelve hours to to dot all the t to dot all the i's and cross the t's and yeah. Um, from my own personal experience know that the advice out there is pretty it's pretty useless and and that's including the council i think there's there's a lot we can do um better there's also a lot that that is heading down the pipeline from sort of good landlords charters um through to through to yeah greater advice information advice um services i think one one thing that um that i think york is is relatively strong on i don't say this i guess as a form UOI student is um yeah is is what USU um provide and the sort of information um, and advice that either USU or the or the university will provide if you just ring ring them up and I remember we was asking asking advice I think and I'm going completely off tangent here but I think you know, there is so many people out there that that have gone through similar you know, whilst I remember it feeling like nobody else can surely be having these problems with trying to get our deposit back and things like that. Um, you know, actually, from Citizens Advice York um, through to the council, just just getting in touch and, and asking the question if it's not already there. Um, this, in terms of f- finance and funding, it's, you know, we can talk about maintenance loans, and and I you know, only really made it to uni because I had one. Um, but but yeah, you know, obviously that's a, a national issue, but it's something that pertinent in York. Um, but also, you know, from things at the moment, so. York is one of the few councils um, that includes students within its um, discretionary um, COVID support. Uh, so the payments, that, the £500 payment that you get if you're out of work due to self-isolation grants um, and actually you know, making sure that every single lever that the council can have is open to students to help support them financially um, is something that that I know, you know, I know Ben as, as chief executive use and the use of officers and the SAB officers, but also the university, Charlie Jeffrey and everyone else. I think I know um, I remember as a student, you're not always massively fond of, of your vice chancellor, but actually, you know, I don't want to, I couldn't praise Charlie Jeffrey enough. You know, he's, he's always around in meetings and is always banging the drum for students, not just the university. Um, so, yeah, I think. York is well placed um, to yeah to make a big impact. Um, so I don't really know because we started on housing, didn't we? And now I'm talking about no, no, great to hear. Massive good to tangent. Know. Yeah. So he does show up to the the council meetings uh, on behalf yes. of students. Yeah, no, and I've I've chaired a few Q and A's um, when Charlie and um, and Karen and uh, Brian as vice chancellor of York St John have been been there, and I think you know they are massive advocates for their two two universities and and then in the background good to hear as a, yeah, as a and, student yeah, they for the next their, year and a half yeah no they earn their salaries I think it would be my perspective and, and they do behind the scenes a lot of lobbying um, it, where, you know, where the, I mentioned the discretionary um, self-isolation grants yeah, gotcha. um, which yeah they really you know, bang the drum on but also you know, national you know, council policy, transport policy, making sure that it's easy, it's easier to get the bus from campus into town. I think yeah, so. In so many ways, they um, they yeah, they do do things. Would be my my sort of comment. Well, I'm just uh, aware of the time here, so if we could leave it on on the 
the election night in, in 2019. How did it sort of feel the last day of that last effort of campaigning and then counting the votes and finding out that you've won and and just just walk me through that sort of that day, that night, and that sort of feeling of finally winning after all that effort. And the yeah. you really put your neck out there by moving to the ward before you even won. And spending quite a lot of money on, on that campaign as well. And the party did, of course. So, um, so yeah, so I'll start, start from, I guess, the night before, um, which spent, spent in our office printing leaflets for that day. So we deliver what's called good mornings. Um, which is a sort of good morning leaflet that just says literally good morning on it and then tells people how they can vote, tells them their post, their um, their polling station and, and says, um, gives advice, you know, if they need a lift, call this number, that sort of thing. And so finished printing them um, shortly, uh, probably shortly before midnight, went to bed. Luckily, where I was living in Clifton without is just right opposite our office. So, yeah, I think I was the last one to lock up. Um, went to bed then yeah set the alarm for four um so you have four hours sleep get up um by 7 a.m we delivered all our good mornings so you have to be fairly quiet you can't bang letterboxes otherwise people get wound up um but yeah by we delivered by 7 a.m we'd probably delivered around 2,000 leaflets in my ward so that's 2,000 doors so not every door we don't deliver them to everyone just people that we think um, through contact they've told us they're going to support us or they've told us they'll either vote between us and third or fourth party so it's better to turn them out on you know, you've got a good chance on the day um, so we do a lot of that we then have sort of I think I had about four bacon sandwiches about 8am then uh, that'll get you through oh uh, well yeah and then went to do some telling so telling is where you you know when you see people standing at polling stations looking pretty miserable with mouldy rosettes on and they ask you for that little number on your polling card so that's what we call telling and and that's um, what I did for a couple of hours that morning so I went and stood at community centre in my ward asking people their numbers as they walked in and I stood there actually with the current conservative councillor at the time so we chatted about what he was up to and uh, what he was going to spend the weekend doing and I think that was an example of really how nice York politics is you know he wasn't yeah, didn't sort of curse my name or anything. I'm sure he wasn't massively pleased to see me, um, but yeah, nonetheless was was polite. Then um, for then pretty much the rest of the day is the same. So you start knocking on doors um, from around ten, and you don't stop until ten p.m. and and literally we didn't. So um, so yeah, in, in Rawcliffe and what is most you know, it's a small but crack team I think in, in my ward you know we've got volunteers that have done it very long they're well trained well resourced they've got plenty of biscuits plenty of um, of uh, energy drinks and yeah and they go out again and again and again I think Labour just in York have you know squads you know it's sort of like a lorry is pulled up and suddenly there's 30 Labour activists and this really did happen to me Never been, never been more terrified than when you're sort of coming down a cul-de-sac and suddenly there's 30 Labour rosettes looking at you. You think, God, you know, have we actually lost it? You know, what's going to happen? Um, then carry on through the day. Lots of knocking on doors. You're only knocking. You're not knocking on everyone's door. You're just saying, just again to the people that are semi-inclined to vote for you. Um, you then all the data correlates so we're getting live data from every polling place every polling station so the numbers the reason we take them is that we then remove them from our database it says that they voted so we're not knocking on their door so we're not wasting time 
Um, no point knocking on a door of someone that you've when seen already voted, two yeah. hours ago. Yeah, exactly. So it's all quite, a, and we use Connect, which is a, a lovely database that the Democrats use in the US. So it's relatively expensive. It's the only proper thing in the Lib Dems that works very well. Um, and Labour have a system, and the Greens use a system called EARS that we used in the past as a party. Um, Sorry, this is very long-winded. This isn't, this no, isn't it's quite a great in real time. Just, and, well, it's, and it's the, an interesting look at sort of the the culmination of local politics. And yeah. really, that's, that's sort of what you bring to the table in this interview, sort of the description of how it really works and then relating to students because you, you were just a student. So please continue. Yeah, no, no, yeah, just, yeah, like I said. And then I actually have my dissertation deadline 10 days after this day. Or oh, ten or so. so it was... Um, well, I would talk about the dissertation later, maybe. But um, but yeah, and and then um, 10 p.m. comes, and we were knocking on doors. Right, I think in all honesty, we probably stopped knocking on doors at quarter to 10. So at 9:45 p.m., we're still knocking on doors, only of members and strong supporters. You know, just to double check that they have been out. So people that really aren't going to swear at us, but you know, will be semi-polite. Um, York doesn't count on Thursday evenings, which really wound me up. Um, winds me up every single election. We had it in the Euros as well. Um, and uh, so consequently, I have to wait until Friday morning. Um, we, and that's what the whole the whole of York does. You know, things grind to halt at 10. Everyone goes to the pub. Um, you have a, a good night's sleep and you get up. I sadly didn't do that because my mum was also standing for council in Lincolnshire. So, but only sort of, she, I mean, she, she got second place in the end, but, you know, I think my, she was there to help me on the day, which was really kind. So I then went back. So at 10 p.m., got in the car, went to Lincolnshire, which is a two-hour journey, got to the count at midnight, stood at the counting tables um, um, and, you know, tally. You do sort of five-bar gates and, and tally the numbers. Mum comes second at probably around, I think, two, three in the morning. Fantastic, you know, lots of smiles all around. She'd previously been sort of fourth and fifth, so, you know, it's a development ward that we're building up. Um, then, then I think I, then I sleep for a bit in, in Lincoln. So have three or four hours sleep in Lincoln. Solid night. Exactly. Um, yeah, 40 winks. And then, and then a, a friend of mine drives up to the count, which is held at, a big sports hall called Energize in Westfield Ward. So then at 10 a.m. counting starts. Um, they don't start all the wards at once. They start about an eighth, you know, so they do um, maybe three of the um, four of the 22 wards and then do another four and another four. So my ward isn't counted, doesn't start counting until that afternoon. So I've seen lots of colleagues win, which is fantastic, and that keeps you buoyant throughout the day. Um, and then, yeah, ultimately, I think my result was declared probably around 4 or 5 p.m., which we won. So we won all three seats, three gains from the Conservatives. We'd won, we went from 11 seats to 21 on on May 2019, so massive, you know, doubling the size of our group. Um, and it was fantastic. And then we all went and had a lot of drinks at a pub in Holgate called The Winning Post, which seemed, uh, yeah, aptly named. Aptly named, yeah. Exactly. But no, and then yeah, that, that, that sounds was it. Like a, it sounds like, a, sounds like just a great experience, honestly. My, my final anecdote, which I can't believe I forgot, was that three, two nights before this, we'd been for a curry, um, and I'd got food poisoning. 
So, oh, in, no. so in the day, so in the, in the day at the count, I remember someone said, "Oh, you don't look very well, Daryl. This is at the count hall in York." And um, and then I, yeah, I went to the toilet, and sure enough, yeah, I don't I don't know if you, if your listeners have got this far. Basically, it was not pleasant. Uh, what I just say is, is that day um, as the food poisoning sort of make, working its way through your system. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was the, my final anecdote from that night. Yeah, that is that's really unfortunate. But your first was it was it your first time getting food poisoning, and then your first sort of political win? I think well, definitely first political win. I can't it, if it wasn't the first, it was certainly the sort of the worst occasion. I think, or oh. certainly the worst timing. And I think you, never... you take the good with the bad, and yeah. they balance each other out. And and yeah, great story. And I'd just like to say thank you again for coming on, Daryl. It was great to talk to you, and uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. No, don't worry at all. No, it's fantastic. Thank you so much.